and welcome back to Eric Likes Animals. I'm Eric Mahan. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you guys are all doing good. I have a great show ahead of you. So let's get started with some environment news. The BBC this past week reported that it was discovered multiple ivory objects were still being sold on eBay, even though the site has imposed a ban on all ivory objects for about a decade. People have simply went about calling it by other names. One of the most common is that they would be listed as bovine bone. The investigation started in 2018, and out of the 632 so-called bovine bone items being sold on eBay, they figured out that at least 500 of those were actually ivory, which is also sort of crazy to think that there were still 132 things that were actually bovine bone. I mean, who goes on to eBay thinking, man, I would love some nice bovine bones right now. Weird. Anyway, most of the investigation was determined from experts being able to tell if something is ivory or not just by looking at the pictures. However, to double check, they also did purposely buy some things and have them tested with DNA just to make sure that their identifications were correct, which unfortunately they were. So, Let's get eBay back to what it's supposed to be. Not an endangered species body part selling site, but a place where you can pick up things. And I'm not screwing with you right now. This is real stuff sold on eBay. A, ghost in a jar that went for $50,922. Guinea pig battle armor that went for $24,300. Britney Spears gum, $14,000. And of course, Justin Timberlake's leftover French toast went for $1,025. Much better than elephant ivory. The history of the chicken has been rewritten. Well, if you didn't do well on your chicken history exam in high school, let me explain what we used to believe. We originally thought that we domesticated chickens about 10,000 years ago. Well, scientists have changed the textbooks because they started to actually evaluate those claims and discovered from chicken bones in these sites where domestication of chickens first began, the oldest domesticated chicken bone was actually only dated back to about 1650 or 1250 BC. They also discovered the driving force behind the domestication of chickens was actually in these different regions in Asia, humans started dry rice farming and this is what started domestication of the chicken. And yes, chickens did not come from Kentucky. This new farming attracted the wild red jungle fowl, which is the chicken's wild ancestor, to start coming down out of the trees and started building the relationship between man and bird. Isn't this great? I used to have to fly all over just to find a single bug or fruit, and these pink hairless monkeys just dump food in front of us all day. I don't even see the bottom of my feet anymore, I've eaten so much. Same. Oh, here comes one of them now. It must be dinner time already. Wait, why is he carrying that thing they used to chop down trees? And finally, a new app is trying to make the Customs and Border Patrol officer's job just a little bit easier, with a new app called FinFinder. Many illegal wildlife trafficking has slipped through the cracks every year here in the United States, specifically because they do not have enough agents for the amount of items coming across. There is unfortunately a shit ton of stuff constantly trying to be brought in, and it's something difficult to make a judgment on 
an item or not to flag if it needs DNA testing. It's not like the illegal wildlife traffickers put a big sign on the item saying illegal great white shark fin. No, they hide it in trying to even change the color and texture to throw off custom agents. Knowing too well, the agents have so many items they have to get through in a day that there's a good chance it can slip through the cracks. Well, the custom agents have a new tool to help. The Fin Finder, a new app that uses AI. So now the agents will be able to take a picture and the app can quickly and sometimes more easily than the agents can ID if it's illegal shark fin or not. Now, don't worry, AI can't send you to jail if the app says it's a shark fin. It's simply there to help flag things to get tested for shark DNA. So just calm down, you knucklehead. It's not like AI is purposely positioning themselves throughout our government to take over. No, they wouldn't do that at all. And that is your environment news. So for today's species, I'm feeling a little nostalgic, so I decided to pick a bird that definitely brings me back to my childhood. The species we are talking about today is the bird species that Zazu, the persnickety assistant to Mufasa from the Lion King movie, was actually based on, and that animal is the African red-billed hornbill. So African red-billed hornbills are a bird found in Africa, shocker. But more specifically, however, they are found in dry forests, savannas, shrublands, tropical and subtropical areas, and even can be found in slightly higher elevations of up to 6,900 feet or 2,100 meters. As you figured from watching the Lion King movie, they are not a very big bird, though most things compared to a lion may look fairly small. But the African red-billed hornbill is about 19 to 24 inches in length or 50 to 60 centimeters. And an adult bird can weigh less than one pound or about 0.5 kilograms and can live about 15 years. Now, the African red-billed hornbill are actually now placed as five separate species, but they're very similar. So some still only see them as subspecies, then completely different. But just for reference, they are broken up into northern red-billed hornbill, western red-billed hornbill, Tanzania red-billed hornbill, Southern red-billed hornbill, and finally, Demera red-billed hornbill. As for looks, the cartoon Lion King was not very accurate, except for the fact that it had a red bill, and it's a bird. The newer CGI remake one, however, is very accurate, except obviously they can't actually talk, especially not with a British accent, and well, they just make normal bird noises. But if you didn't watch the new CGI one, let me describe them. The African red-billed hornbill have a thinnish curved red bill and a whitish head with dark gray neck. Their body is grayish brown with a white racing stripe down the center, and they have a white belly. Some have some black spotting around there and on their body, and they have a black tail. Now, males and females look the same, but males will normally have a slightly bigger beak. They also have eyelashes that would make any girl or guy or whoever extremely jealous if you were into good-looking eyelashes. But the crazy thing to remember is these are birds. So these eyelashes are feathers, but they still do the same as our own, which is keeping dirt and other crap from getting into our eyes and, of course, looking good. Red-billed hornbills mostly live on the ground but do roost in the trees. They will normally be on the larger lower branches, but still just high enough away from predators for the most part so they can sleep without too many uninvited guests. 
They can fly, even though their wing-to-body ratio is off a bit, with shorter wings to the size of their body, plus you have to take into account they have that big beak on them. In fact, to help support that big snaz, the first two neck vertebra are fused together to add a little support. Ugh, my neck is just hurting me thinking about that. But all those possible neck pains are for a good reason. They will use those beaks for a number of things, sort of like a Swiss Army knife or hornbill. But you would wish you could have a Swiss Army knife that could do the number of things these hornbill beaks can do. And let's go through them. First up is, of course, for food. Hornbills are optimistic feeders. They feed primarily on insects, but will consume small lizards, rodents, eggs, and yes, even smaller birds. And lastly, they can also go after fruits and seeds. They will use these beaks to dig around and rip lizards and bugs from holes in the ground, or just simply use their large beaks to smash any food it catches. Hornbill smash! When they do catch a meal with those big awkward beaks, a lot of time the quickest way to get a piece of food at the end of your beak, down your throat, is actually doing trick shots, where they will toss the food up in the air and then they will re-catch it in their mouth just further back. And it sort of looks like that kid showing off in the lunch cafeteria, throwing fries into the air and catching them with his mouth. Also, real quick, speaking of lunchroom cafeteria stuff, did anyone else have those milk bags when you were in elementary school instead of milk cartons? Yeah, my school had these milk bag things, all right? And if you don't know what I'm talking about, imagine a Ziploc bag filled with milk and then sealed up. And then you have to stab a straw into the bag randomly to get the milk out. If you want to know what it looks like, for whatever weird reason, just Google school lunch milk bags on Google and yeah, check it out if you dare. Sorry about the side conversation there, um, but like I said, I'm feeling a little nostalgic today and Lion King was for a big part of my elementary career and so was these weird milk bag things. But moving back onto the African red-billed hornbill. The African red-billed hornbill has some favorite spots to hunt, which are in paddy farm fields, where insects like to live because of the abundant food and normally always a water supply. Another that they like is to actually go through forest or grassland fire areas when animals would be normally running away from naturally occurring fires and not paying attention to a bird trying to eat them, or just simply the prey animals that did survive the fire area now have less coverage to hide from. The hornbills. And for the hornbills, when you can fly, fire's not so scary for you. You can simply just kind of hop over the flames if you need to or fly away. Now, the next feature with the African red billed hornbills bill is it helps with courtship. The lady hornbill likes a man with a good looking, strong, and long beak. And there is a reason behind that, but we will get to that in a bit. Now, breeding season normally takes place around April through June, normally about four to seven weeks after the rainy season begins, and that would kind of differ depending on which part of Africa you're in. Courtships will consist of shoulder shrugging, body swaying, birds opening wings and raising their heads to show off those powerful wings and beaks in the best of light, almost in a style that says, look what I got, ladies, you like? Also during these displays, they normally make some clucking calls and bow their heads. They are monogamous, so they mate for life, and that means they normally try and put their best beak forward during these relationship-finding expeditions. And that's because those beaks are very important for nest building and care. 
The reason being, males and females don't take turns sitting on the nest. Nope, only the female sits on the eggs. And that's because they take security to next level Fort Knox kind of a style protection. For the hornbills will find a nice tree cavity somewhere to build their nest. And right before the female lays her eggs, they will seal the female inside the tree cavity, blocking the entrance with mud, droppings, and bits of food. Although, unlike an Edgar Allan Poe story, the cask of Amontillado, where someone seals another person in a catacomb, the red bill hornbill does leave her a tiny slit. This is, well, one important thing, I'm sure, for air, but also so the male can actually slide food through to help feed the female. Now, this is where that good, long, strong beak comes into handy. If you went with a shorter beak male, who knows if you would even get any food because he can't even reach. Now, she will be sealed behind her mud poop wall for about two to three months, which is enough time for her to lay the eggs, incubate them, hatch them out, and take care of them for a bit. The female will lay about three to five eggs and incubate them for about 23 to 25 days. She will then make her Shawshank-style escape when her oldest chick reaches about 21 to 22 days of age, mainly because they would soon be running out of room with all those growing chicks, but also... Who wants to be locked in a place that long with your kids? They probably are pretty annoying by that point. And let's not forget, they can't leave, which means all that poop is stuck in there with them. Ugh. But those kids still can't come out. Mom needs to get away from them for a little bit, I'm sure. So she will then reseal her hole she just broke through and keep her kids locked in the tree for another month and a half for, until they get a little bit bigger and stronger. Also, maybe sealing your kids in a tree with mud would be a great new form of timeout. Seems to help with the hornbill. Also, if you're wondering how well a mud wall could be for protection, even with that big strong beak designed for breaking through that wall, the female can take up to five hours to break out of her nest. So yeah, mud and poop can be pretty strong. And they will need that wall for fear of birds of prey, Certain larger snakes, because any snake that could actually fit through that crack would actually just be lunch for the hornbill, and of course, possibly some other predatory mammals like a leopard, who would probably be able to get in eventually, but hornbill is not really that great of a meal. It's not very big, and especially when you have bigger, tastier gazelle running around, not your first choice. But hey, desperate times mean desperate measures. During the time the female breaks out, the parents can now both go and find food together and bring it back and feed the chicks, while still keeping them nice, protected, locked away in the nest. But that eventually must come to an end, and a month and a half later, they're out. Once they do get broken out, they will normally stick with the parents for another six months, and then they'll be off on their own, and in about one to three years, they will become sexually mature themselves. Now, normally during the dry season, the red-billed hornbill get along great with other groups of red-billed hornbills. But once it's breeding season, even the kids will get chased out of their territory. Though, funny enough, because there are a number of other hornbill species in the area, they only seem to chase off red-billed hornbills. Other species of hornbills don't seem to bother them. Now, for the IUCN red list, they list the African red-billed hornbill as least concerned but unfortunately with populations decreasing. It should be noted that they list them as only one species on their website, so what many people view as five species or five subspecies 
are just listed as one species. So out of those five, some may actually be doing worse than others. The main threat, of course, for the red-billed hornbill is deforestation. And I know we talked about it on a number of other episodes, and I know we went over how deforestation anywhere is bad, but for Africa, in the savannah where the trees are not as abundant, which it's not supposed to be, it's even more impactful. But unfortunately for the hornbill, it's even worse. Because tree cavities, which is essential for their breeding, is normally only found in very old trees. Meaning even if you're one of the nice people who plant a tree after you cut it down, that new tree might not be ready for a hornbill for generations. And at that point, will there even be any hornbills left? So that's why most conservation efforts for them, besides stopping deforestation by making those poop fire fuel discs to use instead of wood for stoves and other fire needs is actually making hornbill nest boxes. They do this all over the world for multiple hornbill species since all of them seem to be under threat normally because of deforestation and since they all need tree cavities for that reason. And even though the red-billed hornbill is a smaller hornbill, the size nest box is still fairly large and heavy. They are specifically designed to also have a tree cavity-like entrance, normally in a sort of diamond shape because the hornbills have to build their mud wall, and if they can't properly build their mud wall, they're not going to nest there. Honey, if I can't build my nest mud poop wall, I don't even want to bring kids into this crazy world. Different groups have made a variety of nest boxes from some that look like a giant weird birdhouse, sort of like the ones you would see in your backyard, but much bigger and with that diamond-shaped entranceway, to people cutting up a giant tree stump in a way that it then hollows it out and then they literally screw the thing back together and add a little entrance hole to it. And this has had great success all over the world with multiple species of hornbills. Because the most potential nesting areas, the better the chance for more breeding. Because no tree cavity available for that pair of hornbills, no breedy. Another benefit with artificial nests is they can watch and monitor how they are doing much easier. Sometimes even building the nest boxes with camera capabilities. Welcome to the future. And depending on how concerned for that specific species they are, they can even try and set up more defenses or at least make it much harder than normal for a predator to be able to reach the nest. And building these nests and installing them is not as easy as you may think. It's not like when you're a kid and you made your first birdhouse. These are big, heavy boxes and a lot of time have to be carried for a ways because there are no roads a lot of times that can even get to these potential nest sites. And then once you do finally lug this giant thing for who knows, maybe a mile or so and get to the site, you then have to normally haul this thing all the way up into a tree. And if you didn't feel like bringing a ladder with you, well, up the tree you go and you have to drag that heavy box with you. It's so extreme, I'm a little shocked that they haven't made a show yet out of this where people would have to build these giant nest box, carry them a couple miles and put them into a tree that then will be judged by a couple of hornbill scientists. And for whatever reason, one random celebrity who cracks very cheesy jokes and you always think to yourself, why the heck are they even on this show? Because I don't even know if they know what a bird is. Anyway, it's a lot of work, but for scientists with the success they are having, it's well worth it. And this is all to help protect our little friend, the African red-billed hornbill.
And that's our show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed hearing about the African red-billed hornbill and got a little nostalgic with me thinking about Zazu from The Lion King as we talked about the species he was based on. As always, make sure to check me out on my Facebook and Twitter page for more content or for this week to let me know if you guys had those weird milk bag things like I did for school lunch. And of course, you can always reach out to me if you have any questions or funny stories you want to share with me about animals or nature, as I always appreciate that. The links will be, of course, provided below in the episode description. And for those that don't use the social media thing, you can always email me at ericlikesanimals at gmail.com. And that's all I got for you guys today. Thanks once again for listening. And remember, don't be a dick to red-billed hornbills. See ya! <laughs>